Welcome to Non-Gendered Fitness, where we explore health, fitness, transitioning, and queer life from beyond the binary. Proudly brought to you by Fearless Movement Collective, the home of queer fitness and health. And here's your host, Bowie Stobar. Hi there, welcome to Non-Gendered Fitness. This is episode 65. My name is Bowie Stover. My pronouns are they, them. And I am stoked to have you join me today. This show is recorded on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty never was and never will be ceded. And I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. This week, friends, I have a super rad human on the show with me. Jody Najivan. Jody is a super rad human. She also happens to be a friend of mine. She does rad things. Jody is from the Tatungalung people from the Gunai Kurnai nations in eastern Victoria. She grew up in the southeast suburbs of Melbourne and since then has lived in Sydney, far north Queensland and abroad. Her travels were a product of her pursuit for previous career choices, which ranged from public health and project administration, as well as cattle mustering, yes, cattle mustering, and circus performing. Keeping active has been pivotal in her own personal development and since has helped her develop a passion for health, fitness, dance, and exploring new activities. Jody moved back to Melbourne in 2018 with the intent of exploring new career avenues in that space of health and movement goodness. And she has since then met so many great people and developed some fun skills and is looking to build on that and looks forward to what is ahead. Friends, I hope you enjoy my chat with Jody. And let's jump straight in. Hi, Jody. Welcome to the recording booth. It's super neat to have you with me today. How are you going? I'm doing really well, thanks, Bowie. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're most welcome. It's a delight. I'm sure everyone's super eager to have a listen to everything we're going to talk about today. So we're going to jump straight in. Would you like to share a little bit about yourself with me, with our listeners? Sure thing. So, yeah, like you said, uh, my name's Jodie, uh, Jodie Nedjavan, and I am a Gunakurnai trans woman. Um, I've lived in Melbourne for three years, before which I lived in a lot of random places, uh, Sydney, Laos, the Philippines, Queensland, and then I, before that, I actually grew up in Melbourne. Yeah, my main background is in public health, but lately I've decided to try and pursue a career in fitness exciting yes <laughs> i always endorse people pursuing careers in fitness <laughs> very cool so you practice physical activity obviously that's one of the reasons why you it's you've been prompted to start pursuing a career in fitness can you share a little bit about how you move your body the activities that you practice and what you enjoy doing yeah, sure. So as far as what I currently do, the main the main physical activity I do is uh, definitely just dance. I do mostly ballet dancing. Previously, I was doing swing dancing and ballroom dancing. Those two styles of dance actually led me to ballet because I noticed that naturally I tend to be a little bit more uh, rigid 
and rely on choreographed movement. Uh, so after learning that about myself, I really felt like ballet came naturally to the way that my body moves. And so that's why I do it for the most part today. Previous to that, they, I used to swim, squad. I think a lot of people would know what I mean when I say you know what I mean when you talk about squad swimming. I don't. No, well, it's, 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 I'm, I'm one of those people who doesn't. Uh, <laughs> What's squad swimming? So, so you know, the 4.30 starts, 5 o'clock starts, the 200 laps freestyle is a warm-up. Ah, uh, 200, 200, did I just say 200? You said 200. <laughs> Was it really 200? Five, five 200 uh, metre uh, sessions. Oh, yeah. So you've got to do a K before you oh, so f- yeah. start. Yeah. Full on. That's a good warm up. Yeah. Oh my god. I could, it was I could see that. <laughs> so, a bit of swimming. I used to do motocross. I started motorbike riding when I was five. Very and I cool. stopped when I was about fourteen or fifteen. Um, and then after that I only rode uh, just for fun. Mm. Uh, and I stopped riding uh, when I started high school when I moved to a high school in Monash. As far as movement goes, a lot of a lot of my natural movement comes from my time in the circus. I used to work for a circus. Really? And perform for a circus. What did you do? Uh, I was a clown. Ah, oh, yes. So good. I was a fire tweller and I did some acrobatics and my main instrument was poi. Yes, so cool. Mm. Wow. And when you were doing that, did you enjoy like dancing and all of that stuff back then or is that something that came later on? Because that's what you practice. You, you practice just mainly ballet now, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Well, look, um, as far as dancing goes, my upbringing from my parents was very like, um, I think the word toxic masculinity can really ring true in this situation. And a lot of the times where I expressed interest in movement, it was like, like I said, fire twirling or motocross or, you know, squad swimming. It was all very like in my father's eyes high testosterone movement and the only time I managed to find my passion in a different way of movement in terms of ballet dancing was when I finally started to break free from the rules I guess that my family was like I guess embedded in the way I think yeah so so yeah that that was actually when I was 25 I'm 28 (laughs) when I was 25 I started to dance my first steps on the dance floor was, yeah, somewhere close to my 25th birthday. Very cool. What inspired you to start with jazz? You started with jazz, yeah? Was it jazz, then ballroom, and then ballet? Yeah, so I grew up around the corner from a ballroom studio, and I started dancing <laughs> ballroom first. That was like the first class I had. Uh, but as far as passion for dance goes, my first passion was in swing. And it's because there was... It looks so cool. Oh, my God. It is so cool. I I tell you, I kid you not, I cried. The first time I saw so many people doing, like, jazz swing in a hall, it just made me cry. It was so beautiful. But the thing that actually got me there was I met somebody who I won't name, but uh, I thought they were the most, like, amazing person in the world. And I had the biggest crush. Uh-huh. And I followed them to um, Swing Patrol in Richmond. Did they know you followed them? <laughs> oh, yeah. not, not followed in the creepy sort of way. <laughs> they, they were like, yeah, I'll teach you how to swing. So, 
so yeah, that was that was how I got into swing. And that's cool. That's what sort of kicked the uh, passion for dancing off. Awesome. How how has dancing changed your life? It's definitely. Um, I will say that my ability to fly in the face of the rules that my family told me and just move in the way that I want to, it it changed more than just the way I move. I think it also changed the way that I can see myself hold my own in terms of like the important people in my life. And it also changed my ability to make decisions for myself. And I think that one of the most important parts to add to this was is, is probably, yeah, I think I can definitely say this. So <laughs> starting dancing and starting to take autonomy in terms of what I want to do really helped lead, pave the way to starting my transition as, a, uh, as of August last year. Um, I think I can definitely attribute some of the autonomy that I have in my transition to when I started dancing. That is really, really cool. Amazing. It's it's incredible how something as simple of a choice as wanting to pursue an activity that helps you feel good with movement can have this massive flow-on effect and, and build uh, so many other aspects of our lives we don't necessarily expect it to. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I mean, look, we can all talk about those, like, flags, I guess, <laughs> that, you know, you, you might have seen or not seen or but definitely learning how to be autonomous uh, was was really the catalyst for this sort of thing so yeah. yeah amazing and since you started dancing you said it, it helped to give you confidence and it kind of prompted that those steps to help you with your transition how how, how else has your relationship with your body changed since you've begun dancing and pursuing those activities that you enjoy? Well, I think, I think having started dancing at 25, um, you know, by that quarter, what is it, a century? Yeah. Yeah, by that quarter century, I had accumulated several injuries. <laughs> um, I had a broken ankle because I fell out of a coconut tree. <laughs> and... You've got to watch them coconut trees. I know. Right? You always think you can climb one until you're up there and then you're like, I've still got to get down. It's like, damn. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a long way down. It doesn't right? look that fast. No. Jeez, yeah. One, up fast. Yeah. From the ground, it's just like, nah, it's fine. Well, there's yeah. a broken ankle. Um, <laughs> I got RSI in my shoulders. I got some swelling in my knees. I hurt my back when I was um, working in a firewood business in my late teens. Uh, yeah, I guess all of that accrued to me being a little bit ginger about how I like approach movement. And um, I think I think really having an honest uh, relationship with the way that I can move yes. and the way that I want to move yeah. really paved the way for how I handled, you know, how I, how I do ballet. You know, there's ankle exercises every day. Um, there's squats, stretches, uh, almost every single day. Um, and yeah, that, that self-care uh, that I had physically, I think, also manifested to do self-care mentally too. So yeah, I can definitely say 
uh, my relationship with my body really, really fleshed out the way that I move and dance, but it also had a big impact mentally too. So that's, I guess that's a side note, but yeah. That's very cool. Was it, was the, that support with your mental health through, like, I know that movement has those connections to positive mental health outcomes. Was it also, I don't know if this is going to sound weird because I'm not a dancer, like I'm not generally that, that kind of nice in my movements, but was it the ability to kind of express yourself through that movement that helped you? Do you find that? Is that a thing? Am I just making that up? Oh, no. <laughs> no, absolutely. Like, like giving myself permission to be that expressive was like, like put it this way, in terms of movement, the biggest pushback I've had in terms of like my family, and I think this is why there's a big connection between my transition or my sense of autonomy and the way that I move. It's because when I actually told people that I do ballet and at the time, they all saw me as a very masculine uh, person. And when I told them, they were so surprised. My dad especially was called me the next day and said, like, are you still into that shit? Oh, like, oh, dead set. Not he, okay. Oh. Like, you know, of course your opinion would have changed overnight. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, like, you know, there's, like, such a huge amount of, like, approval that I was getting. Um, and then as soon as I started to try and do those things, like, like just do ballet and then told people that I did it. Yeah. I got a lot of pushback and, and learning how to give myself approval and not have to obtain it from those guys was like one of the biggest learning curves. Mm. And it was all thanks to just trying to like learn how to move in a way that I wanted to. Yes. Mm. Oh, that's so good. It's the most, it's the most important thing you can move in all the ways that you think someone else expects you to move, but actually making that conscious choice to go, well, what helps me feel good? Wow, I want to fucking do that. I want. <laughs> I don't want to do this thing with it, I, you know, that just makes me unhappy or miserable or because there's an expectation on it. That's huge. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, so good. Yes. So going back to what you mentioned with with having to have moved in those classically masculine ways, did you find that even when you first started moving, you were you had trouble avoiding that kind of expression in your movement? Because it's like there's ways that are perceived as like, you know, quote your fingers manly or masculine to dance and then there's ways that are considered like more feminine and stuff did you find that to be a barrier oh yes so so one of the first original comments that people started making and it was only a few months after i started ballet they were like oh you walk like a dancer and i was like what does that mean oh i know right (laughs) (laughs) so so i was like i don't know what that means so you know at the time i i wasn't out. I didn't tell anybody. So I had to, you know, slouch, you know, walk like a freaking, you know, Western 1700s cowboy. I don't freaking know. And, uh, you know, tennis balls into my armpits. Oh, invisible lat syndrome. Yeah. So, you know, I was really trying to hide the way that I moved because at the time I, I found that my sense of approval was gained from all these other people. You know, my sense of confidence came from that approval. And, yeah. It was... It's so common, hey? Like, yeah. Yeah, not wanting to be judged by others 
based on the the choices mm-hmm. or the the actions that we kind of practice mm-hmm. and the <sighs> the the social part was just one step mm. there, there was like a family element yeah and you know i couldn't drop my guard i couldn't talk about how much i like dancing in fact i lied about doing ballet for six to seven months uh until i admitted it and that whole time i was i was doing ballet but i told them all i was doing salsa or something because i knew that the people i was talking to could validate salsa as being like a an appropriate thing to do because in their mind, it's like it's perceived as one of those sexy, it's, yeah, sexy dancing, it's isn't like, it? Oh yeah. yeah, of course that, of course it's that hyper masculine and hyper feminine role yes. that comes with it. So yeah, so I don't know, like I know next to no salsa, just saying, um, <laughs> but I do know how to do a devilope. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> Plies all the way. Yeah. How have you found your experience with the space that you're learning at? Like were they, they were they've been pretty cool with everything? Oh, uh, um as in as in the studio, the dance studio that I'm Yeah, at. the dance studio. So where you started learning, like what was that like for you? Like coming into that space like with all of your lived experiences and then saying, Hey, I wanna do this. Okay, so this might come across as a free plug, it's not. Um, <laughs> I dance at this place called Point Nation. And I was dancing there when I was 25. When I was 25? Yeah, when I was 25. And and when I went there, when I started dancing, oh, my God, I had, like, like you know, like a, I cut my beard so I looked all masculine and made my jaw really, like, you know, bulky. And I had, like, short hair and it was shaved down the sides and I was, you know, rocking up with this, like, button-down T-shirt showing off my chest hair. Oh. <laughs> You should have seen me rock that, like, very stereotypical, like, yeah. male bravado. Oh, it was, like, something you'd only ever see in a cartoon. <laughs> so so they were like, yeah, sure, come and do ballet, dance with us. And I started, and they were so good, like, good to me. And then as time went by, I dropped the charade because I didn't have to keep it up. They're accepting me. I didn't mm. need their approval because they were like, you have it from day dot, who gives a shit. So my teacher, Liz supporting me this entire time and then once covid stopped i went back and i was already like four or five months into my transition and i was so nervous to go back to Mm. the studio and you know the way that i move wasn't going to be affected but the way that i move about socially was going to be was going to change entirely yeah people were going to have to accept that i wasn't walking with my you know whole cowboy get up on yeah you know, my short shorts. <laughs> I couldn't imagine you. I just couldn't imagine you, like, walking around like that or, mm-hmm. like, any of it. It just seems so so different from kind of, I guess, how I have how I know you and and who you are now. Oh, it was – I hammed it up. But see, when I, when I went back, I was, like I, – I eventually found the confidence to wear, you know – leggings in front of my family without and and take the crap that they were going to dish out inevitably and I rocked up and the first thing that my teacher did was take the labels off the bathrooms and just label them as toilet no way yeah she did that and she was like she was like look I really want this to be a safe space for everybody as far as colors go everything's black there's no blue and pink you know everything's just and it's like you know, this is the most badass teacher I've ever had Girl is. in my life. Yes. <laughs> and all the other dancers, they were so accepting. Oh, my God. One of them who got me into Point Nation, she was like, 
She, she, she went from like treating me as someone who was presenting as masculine to treating me as someone who was just another freaking dancer. And it was just so good. I, I cannot, I cannot say how positive this space has been for exploring the way that I want to move and dance and my, tra- I don't know, it's so many, like, so many connections. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. It's so great. It's such an, it's such a needed thing, hey. Mm-hmm. Like, just, I, and is that easy? Like, it really is. Some people can, some people seem to really want to overcomplicate it and some people are just like, oh, yeah, sure. That's cool. Like, <laughs> we'll do this. Do you, mm. like, do you feel okay with that? Mm. It's just like, why can't more people be like that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's so good. Oh, love hearing stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so what could other people who may be wanting to dance or want to explore how they can move in ways but kind of maybe have feel those same apprehensions or or having to play those roles like you did what would you say or offer what advice could you offer to them that could maybe help them or could you know give them some thoughts to how they could maybe do what they actually want to do well I think I think my first piece of advice would be to try 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 it out and even if that's, you know, in the form of practicing a YouTube video at home, or even if it's just sitting on the floor in a lounge room and just imagining yourself doing it, just try to put yourself at least partially in the space of doing what it is you want to do or feel like doing. And if it makes you happy, then experiment with like going towards that space or starting to do that thing. I imagine doing ballet when I was a child. And I never tried it until I actually went out to a studio one day and then went and did it. Mm. And mind you, I didn't just hit the jackpot on the first ballet studio. Yeah. You've been to a few now? I've been to three. One of them was very gendered and it it was difficult because despite wanting to just move in the way I wanted to, there were so many rules in terms of where I could dance the dance moves that I could do. So I was going to ask her, is there different dance moves for ballet dancers when they are perceived as male versus perceived as female? 100% there is a long history of gendered movement in ballet. However, these days, and it's it's a pretty like interesting craze, I would encourage anyone who wants to um, explore movement in a non-gendered way to go to ballet. These days you've got male ballet dancers in point shoots. Is that not a thing? Or That's was that not a thing? It what wasn't would, a thing. What would, quote you think, is male ballet dancers have worn for shoes? Just ballet flats. And so, I did not realise there was a difference in ballet shoes. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, use, I use the terms like male, female uh, in, in the sense in the roles that they have in a ballet dance. However, these days, those lines are so blurred. Mm. You know, back in the day uh, when I was in, in class, my teacher said, okay, I'll have you do these moves. They're different to the moves that everyone else is doing in class. And at the time, I was the only male presenting mm. person in that So class. you get to dance like this based on your genitals? Based on your genitals. <laughs> and, and then I turned oh, around sis. and said, I don't want to do that. And my teacher was like, then don't do it. But didn't didn't Al, um like op- invite you to pr- practice the movements that you wanted to move? What like 
yeah, I found a teacher who was more than happy to just say, you want to be part of these guys and be part of those. Yes. Don't, don't be part of like just some like brick in the wall or something that I've just put you in. If you want to, you can just be a dancer that you want to be. Yay. If this is the movement that you want to do, you just got to tell me. Yeah. And so when I told her that, she was just like, okay, fine. Yes. And I, I didn't have to jump higher. I didn't have to do her extensions. I didn't have to lift everybody. Mind you, back injury, plywood business, <laughs> can't lift anybody. So You're already failing that, that stereotypically man's role. I know. Jeez. I can't throw people around the room. <laughs> but, yeah, no, uh, I would encourage people who want to explore non-engine movement to uh, find a ballet studio that's happy to just explore that, and most of them are. Yeah. Yes. These wow. days, absolutely. That's very cool to know. If you look up on YouTube, point shoes, like like it'll be it'll be listed as like a men's routine or male routine. Actually, I think these days they don't even do that. But you can find classically feminine dancers, uh, performances, chore- choreography performed by male bodies wearing point shoes, which, by the way just destroys, flies in the absolute face of all of the gender norms in ballet. Yes. Historically. That's what I love to hear. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Fucking the system up. <laughs> yeah, so oh, that's awesome. Amazing. And I never would have thought, I never would have thought of ballet. I actually, to be honest with you, I've never thought of ballet. So, <laughs> But I do know so many folks out there who do use dance as a, an outlet for movement because it's it's so freeing and mm-hmm. it's a it's a way we can all move i mean i think good or bad is subjective mm-hmm. i think everyone can move their bodies in any of the ways that they like mm-hmm. and it sucks that sometimes it requires permission from mm-hmm. someone else before we actually feel right mm-hmm. about being able to do that that's right i think i think it's also important to note that if someone turns around and tries to tell you what a dance is and they don't say they something that's contrary to it is when you say it is, then they're wrong, all right? You are dancing when you say that you're dancing. Yes. Half the time you're dancing and you haven't even said that you're not dancing. You are freaking (laughs) dancing. Yes. People can stand still in a room. That's a performance. That's a dance. That's still movement. Yes. I love it. So good. (laughs) So I guess if there's so many schools out there, already doing that sort of thing what could you say or what advice could you give to spaces that maybe are still not quite there yet or maybe haven't had someone who's transitioned within their space or comes in who happens to live a trans or gender diverse experience what what advice could you give to spaces like that to help them not be quite so caught up in the kind of quoting fingers like the traditions or what they they are perceived as as the expectations of ballet well i think i think if i'm going to take some advice to give it would i'd have to take it from my teacher and what she's done i would have to i would have to say like since i've been in this classroom there have been three individuals including myself who are who belong in the tgd community and at the end at the end of the day you know we're all there still I'm actually one of the first people who joined her class since her studio opened. That's cool. And I'd, I'd have to say, like, that there, there are a fair few people out there that 
want to give this a shot. And it's not about whether or not they're going to succeed in ballet. It's not about any of that. There's, there's so many comparisons that people make. And I think teachers can be really critical when it comes to having a student that has high aspirations. They don't have to achieve. They don't have to go far. They don't have to join the Australian Ballet. All they have to do is keep enjoying what they're doing. And if a classroom has an amount of stress or if it has uh, an atmosphere or a brand of culture that removes from that, that's what needs to change. Mm. Because it doesn't just affect the TGD community. No. It affects everyone who is in that classroom. And simply making the space better for everybody, better in, in ways that's like just encourages people to be there, that's what's going to help uh, get anyone else comfortable, especially the transgender diverse community. Yes, I love that. So true. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's it's not just ballet spaces. I mean, let's be honest. It's so many spaces that involve movement because for mm. some reason, like for, for always, movement is kind of categorized into these gendered sort of formats. Yeah. So breaking breaking away from that. Definitely. I like what you said that it, it makes the place better for everyone, not just people who may happen to also be trans or gender diverse. Yeah. I mean, it's not just dance studios. I mean, I'm talking about choreography. It's not like it's yes. It's not like it's for anyone in particular. Mm. Like, shit, people teach animals choreography. Oh, they do. Like, I know dog dancing is one yes. of the coolest things I've seen. Like, you, can, <laughs> you can have this. Swimming is one of those things. It's yeah. Like, uh, uh, oh, what was it? AFL. You know, that that's a that's a very widely known spot, and it's still extremely governed by gender and gender oh, sort of like any sort of team sport it's just like yeah, yeah don't, any, any form of oh, movement i'm gonna strain an eyeball like eye roll that hard at those sorts of I things know. <laughs> oh so before we finish up is there anything that you'd like to share with folks listening that you found helped you or just any thoughts you have or any sort of overall jody goodness that you could impart on us jody goodness yeah a little bit impart. of jody goodness um, <laughs> off the top of my head I think the main piece of wisdom I think I'm ever going to share is to, yeah, just don't don't compare yourself. This one's like super cliche, um, <laughs> but I could only really put it into words the other day, and it kind of flies off the backward of, of what I said in the last question. If you can, if you can start moving, or you can you can start being in the spaces that you're in, or thinking about the way that you are, without comparing yourself to the best or some Instagram thing or or any sort of like status that wasn't already you in the past, if you're comparing yourself to something that's simply not yourself, and it might be transition goals mm. or it might be choreography, it might even be like diet. If you're doing something that doesn't realistically reflect what you're able to achieve and what you actually like, then it's, it's going to be more difficult. So I just encourage everybody to get to know yourself, know what your limits are, and explore those spaces. Don't explore the limits of some Olympian. It's your own space. And just be happy there. Yes. Ah, oh, so good. Thank you, Jodie. Thanks so much for joining me today and uh, having okay. a chat. <laughs> thanks, thanks for inviting me. You are most welcome. 
You'll find all of the details from today's show in the show notes. If you're enjoying the show and you know other folks who may benefit either from this episode or from another episode, I would love for you to share it about. Tell everyone you know who you think might be interested in listening to an episode. Let's share the love, friends. If you have any questions about this episode or would like to learn about how we may be able to support you, you can go to our website, www.fearlessmovement.co. You can send us a message there. You can also jump in there. You can try out our free trial or have a go at some of our at-home training. Yes. If you don't want to get in contact with us through our website, you can go to Facebook and find us at Fearless Movement Collective or Instagram, where we are most active by going to the handles for non-gendered fitness at non-gendered underscore fitness or me, Bowie, as the dot no dot t dot nb. Yes. If you have any questions for Jodie, you can reach out through us and we can share the questions with you. She can get in contact with you that way. So feel good about just reaching out in general, friends. (laughs) And until next week, remember, you can choose to move any way that you like, regardless of what anyone else says. It doesn't make your choices any more or less valid. All that matters is that what you're doing feels good for you, feels right for you, and fulfills those things in life that help you get the most out of it. Have a rad as day, pal.